Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey everybody, on this episode of the Timeless After Show, we're breaking down Season 1, Episode 10, The Capture of Benedict Arnold. The team and Flynn try to go back and stop Rittenhouse where it started. How successful are they? Let's find out. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz Begin. It must be nice. It must oh, be nice. Follow <laughs> the money and see, see where, where it goes. goes. All it right, everybody. Welcome nice. to the Thomas After Show. A little bit of Hamilton. Uh, uh, must be nice to know George Washington. Is that or is what's the name? Of Washington on your side. Washington right? on your Washington side. Washington on your side. Look yeah. at that. Big Hamilton fan, uh, as you can tell. There you go. <laughs> so, everybody, we're going to be breaking down the winter finale of Timeless uh, Season 1, Episode 10, The Capture of Benedict Arnold. I'm one of your hosts, Frank Moran. You can follow me on Twitter at HappyGoJackie. Uh, nice ending, Steve. No, it's beautiful. It's I'm really time. glad that he picked the ending of that because it's my favorite part. Uh, I'm Alexis Torres. You can find me all over social media where all shenanigans will ensue at ATORS890. All shenanigans, I like All of part. them. Every single one like of them. Every single shenanigans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just, a, just a clarification. Yes. Around around 95% of shenanigans. Okay, fine. 95. No, you're right. Yeah, I'll Disclaimer. take 95. Yeah, she sorry. saves the other 5% for elsewhere. Yes, usually. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm Chris Howard. Yeah, Comic Con. Yeah, Comic Con. There you go. <laughs> Reach out at Chris Howard Live on both Twitter and Instagram. And now I want to watch Hamilton. It's so good. Is We've it? got Stephen in the booth and Carrie Lane, usually the person that rounds out our panel. She is on assignment or perhaps lost in time. I think we'll she's lost out. in time. I think time. she's lost, lost in time. In time. Yeah. What, time what time period do you think she went to? Uh, she loved the. Didn't she say she loved the seventies? Sure. I thought that's what she's in the seventies. Sixties? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, she's probably told us each a different time period to cover her tracks. Right, oh, right, right. She is a smart so we cookie. Can't that's right. Yeah. Uh, but folks, you can like us on Facebook. Give us those five stars on iTunes. Subscribe to the YouTube nice. channel and hop I'm in the high. chat. Right now, you see Alexa's got her computer right there. She's mm-hmm. got the chat up and running, so you can share your thoughts about the winter finale or the series in general. So let's just get right into it, Matt. The capture of Benedict Arnold. Yes. Look at that. Uh, just general overthoughts before we get into the episode in particular. There, are you happy with the way they kind of? Stuck the landing on this winter finale. Yeah, I felt like we got we got a lot. Of, just like the last episode, we got a lot of information going into it, uh, or throughout the episode, and it definitely rounded out a lot of things as well. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of things where I was like, "It's a trap! How can you not see that?" And then there are other times I was like, "Oh, I wasn't expecting that. That was also really nice. Like it was, it kept me on my toes the entire time, which was awesome." That's hard to do. She is an aficionado. No. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was a great episode. Yeah, th- this yeah. is one of those where I just feel like things are happening. Things are moving. Things are yeah. moving. I like it. I like it. I like it. I like yeah. it when we get this. Uh, there's some uh, substance to it, huh? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. there's I mean, a lot of meat on this episode. Yeah, if you look at the whole thing, it's, it's basically all the episodes are kind of mythology episodes, so to speak, because yeah. it's got the general premise of trying to fl- track down Flynn, who's attached to Rittenhouse yeah. somehow. It was like but, a monster of the week, but n- not at the same time, because it was more like uh, time of the week. I don't know, it was yeah. weird. <laughs> but this one just felt like, hey, everything matters this episode, yeah. everything that we're doing. Uh, and we start the episode off, of course, with Benedict Arnold. He's fleeing because he knows Washington is on the way mm-hmm. uh, to capture him, because he's about to go betray Washington to the British. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yes. That's a, that's a uh, classic, classic uh, point in time. I, I, I liked uh, looking at this. Then I had to think, you know, if Benedict Arnold, uh, so Washington was having breakfast at Benedict Arnold's house, mm-hmm. when Benedict Arnold took off, is that why they call it Eggs Benedict? Oh, did that did that not even come into your head? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't meant to be a joke, though. Like I'm serious. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have no idea, idea. But I would huh. like to. That's like the one thing I never even put two and two together. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Leave no, to Chris look Howard at you. There asking you the questions That's... no one's even thought of yet. <laughs> <laughs> if someone in the Kindness chat knows, and yeah, if somebody just, knows, please yeah, let us know. In 1984, Lament Lemuel Benedict, a Wall Street broker who was suffering from a hangover, ordered some butter toast, crisp bacon, two poached eggs, and a hooker of hollandaise sauce at the Waldorf Hotel in New York. A hooker and hollandaise sauce? Yes. Chris, come on. He's, he's kidding. <laughs> oh, Are you joking? Is this real or what? A hooker is a like a ramekin of hollandaise sauce. Okay. Do you know what a ramekin is? Um, I, I, the little the little metal thing? Yeah, so a hooker is like a ramekin. Okay. But it does say hooker, H-O-O-K-E-R? 
There you go. All right. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> yes. There you go. Let's focus on that, the important parts of that story. All right. <laughs> so what are we talking about? I don't remember. So, uh, I blacked we, out for a second. There you go. Uh, we come back to the present, and we find uh, Lucy sure. eating dinner at Agent Christopher's house. Uh, yeah. Which seems kind of unusual. You, this is not the way you'd expect to be coming well, into this episode. The one thing I do, I did like about it was the fact that um, we find out that Agent Christopher... Was I saying that right? Christopher. Yeah, yeah, she has a girlfriend. Um, yeah, that the fact that she's yeah. that, she, uh, that she's a lesbian, I, I think that's awesome. Yeah, very much. Because so. we never, I would have never put two and two together on that one, and I was like, good for you. I it, like that we threw that in there. Isn't it wild that the partner though? That like I don't know if like in these episodic serials that the partner is always kind of a little chiffed or chuffed that the uh, about what their partner does. Well, yeah, especially I think that a lot of people who have uh, husbands, wives, or that. whatever that uh, that are in the government that can't talk about the stuff that they work with if they're in the FBI or whatever, right. probably are just like, I kind of want to know what you do, but I also really don't know, I really don't want to know what you do right. at the same time. So I can understand if that is a real so aspect. So that, you think that. that that stereotype might be a real deal? I think so, for sure. Because it's such a large, uh, somebody's work is such a large part of their life, and if you're not able to talk Talk about that with yeah. your partner. I mean, I would imagine for the partner, that kind of gets weighing because depending on your mood, uh, they can't even tell you why they're in that mood. Cause right. Yeah. You know, so yeah. you can get, it can get, I can understand why in a relationship it can kind of be yeah, a source of friction. communication is kind of key in a relationship, so it's kind of hard when you're like, I'm really upset about this thing. I just can't tell you about it or I have to kill you. Like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> So, I don't know. How many times have you had to threaten your loved one? Just, you know, <laughs> darn it. You know? How many times can you go to that well? Yeah. Uh, but uh, we do find out the reason that Agent Christopher invited Lucy over, though, was, and I like oh. how the show jumped over it, is that we already get past the point of Rufus telling the team that he told Agent Christopher everything he did in the last episode about I'm kind of glad we did know. that, though. That was great. I like yeah. that the show just like, Didn't hey, we, yeah, we can just jump right ahead to mm-hmm. it. But that she is really sympathizing with uh, Lucy and or Lucy's mother in particular because it's one thing to – uh, know that you have a sister and lost her, but to not even know you had a daughter see, because time has been changed. I'm right. really, really, really happy that we got to see this side of her because the fact that Agent Christopher is not really in the show that much, she's usually there to give orders and kind of be like uh, the like stern mom of the group, which I like that. But I love that we got to see a more humanized size, side of her. I mean, not saying that she's not humanized, but just the fact that like it's she's very one, she's one, yeah, yeah, she's one note. You know, so now that we have this other aspect of the fact that even though she knows that she does terrible things, something keeps her up at night. And I also like the fact that she's she's feeling the gravity mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. everything they're going through. It's not like she's impervious to it, uh, you know, because she could just be the tough guy, homeland security type uh, yeah. character, mm-hmm. whereas she's really... Uh, she's she's human. She's like, well, well, I get this. I get what that must feel like to yeah. not have a sister now. I get. Well, yeah, I mean the fact that uh, that she brought up the the fact that she is a mom. I'm, I'm I didn't I didn't they catch see a little baby. There yeah, was a I was like I didn't catch how old the baby was. I, mean, I didn't know if it was a newborn or if it's like an infant. I couldn't. Seemed really like know. it was more than one kid too, didn't it? She, she was like well, them. Well, she well no, she was talking them. about her wife yeah, and, and, daughter. and her daughter. Okay, and daughter. the daughter is old enough because she had the conversation with her on the phone last week. So about okay, oh. so, so yeah, so maybe there's maybe yeah. Well, I, don't I think know. Okay. That, that's just the baby that's growing up. But you are okay. sharp. Yeah. No, 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 but that makes <laughs> it makes sense. I wasn't tweeting. I wasn't live tweeting during the show. Oh. <laughs> 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 um, I thought no, I was going to have to ask you what was written on the scroll like tonight, and it was going to all be all about that. No, but but it makes sense, and I love that the fact that I didn't even think about the fact that the mom doesn't remember having a daughter because it never happened. So mm-hmm. in my brain, I'm like, that seems normal, but coming from a, I'm not a mom. So I can totally see from her perspective where she's like, you can't forget. I could never wake up and not be able to see that face and just not know who she is. Like that would be, it would just destroy my world. So it makes, it makes sense. It's yeah. just, it was just nice to see it from her. You're, well, they must really, the writers must be really going in and, and really doing some real thought about this because yeah. it is, for her to empathize with Lucy's mother, that just shows a lot of depth to the character. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and I'm what, hoping to get more of that from her. For sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the one thing that she does to kind of help her situation out is she gives Lucy a flash drive with a bunch mm-hmm. of family photos and artwork that they did in kindergarten, things like that. Things that if she, Lucy does come back to the present and Agent Christopher suddenly realizes, or doesn't, the timeline's changed and Agent Christopher doesn't realize she had a wife and a daughter. That's exactly what's That you can happen. show them that and tell them about this very evening that they had dinner at the house and just remind Agent Christopher of who she had in her life. That's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. There's no 
there unless unless this, yeah. that there is an an actual reason of just like hey I didn't have to use this I don't think that's how the writers would go because they want conflict that's the whole point of moving shows along so I feel like uh, what's we'll, the point of the setup without the yeah without a consequence right. you know like there has to be an end result yeah. to use this flash drive because the scene in itself is is really nice but you oh, also yeah, want I, to see that the other side of it yeah you yeah. want to see like Lucy have to. Yeah, and it's gonna be it's gonna be heartbreaking watching her go. I don't know what you're trying to show me. I don't know these people. I don't recognize their faces. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't know. Well, what's kind of neat is this episode set it up to go any place. Oh, it's gonna be great. Yeah, it can really so go many any place. It's gonna be awesome. And we're just only in the mid season finale. It's not even the season finale. Yeah, they're so. doing a good job. They're doing a really good job. I'm happy because I know about there, it. there were questions early on about whether they were going to get more episodes, right? And then they got more they episodes did? after mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, hopefully it keeps going for another season, yeah? Let's hope. Uh, so we also then cut to from that. Rufus over at G is playing some games, and Mason decides to drop by and have a visit and has a little talk with Rufus and says, hey, guess what? Rittenhouse realizes that you've been tampering with his recordings. Uh, you get one last shot. Flynn seems to know everything. Oh, no, I'm, I'm sorry. You're talking about when Mason came by. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh yeah, he knows everything too, but he's drunk. Yeah, and I'm still <laughs> waiting. Yeah, uh, really waiting. I feel like that the, the second half of the season we're going to get some kind of Mason specific episode because we've been getting little breadcrumbs about his past, and to hear mm-hmm. him kind of open up a little bit about why he just started getting into inventing things, and it was just to help his mother clean houses a little easier. That was no, it's neat. it. It, it sh- again, I love that we get little tiny Easter eggs of Mason's past, mm-hmm. whether it has to do with Wyatt or or just him, and just the fact that he was always a smart kid. That's always how he's always been, and he o- and he definitely has a heart. So that he wanted to help his mom, and then he didn't want to deal with all these investors and go through interviews and things like that. He just wanted to help his mom. Well, it shows that that creative type of personality. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. typically don't care about the investors and stuff, but it takes money to fund their research, you know? Clearly, yeah. It's like Tesla and Edison, you know? It's like... Yeah, uh, I mean, as much as, like, money makes the world go around, it's just... it. That's just how it works, whether you want it to be a positive thing or a negative thing. Right. There's nothing you can do about that. Uh, so they uh, also then get a call after Mason leaves and let let them know that, hey, guess talk what? Flynn's about in- a, talk about a, a C blocker. Who is this? Mason. Thank you. I was yes. trying not to say it out loud. But, like, yeah, he just knocks on the door. They thought it was pizza. They're having a cute little time playing video games. Oh, they just yeah, ruined it with his drunkenness and right. guilt. <laughs> uh, so Flynn is back September 25th, seventeen. Drunken guilt is always a C blocker. No, correct. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Okay. Uh, and we find out that, of course, Lucy, being the historian that she is, knows how important that moment is in history. And uh, they feel they know Washington would be at Arnold's house, uh, and that Arnold was about to betray Washington and his troops over there and mm-hmm. uh, let everybody know what was happening. So it's time to get the crew back to 1780. I love how, uh, I guess, Lucy went back home first. And then, because and, I, I, I was confused, because Angie Christopher and Lucy were at the same place. But Angie Christopher was already at... The hub is what I call it. It was and just then, like this fast yeah. shift. Yeah. So I was like, did Lucy go back home and then go? Why didn't <laughs> you guys go to the same car? Same gas. What's she happening? Wyatt and Rufus to know that they were so close. They, go, <laughs> they had dinner. Yeah. <laughs> you wait Don't be jelly. five minutes yeah. before Don't you come jelly. over. <laughs> That's so out. funny. But this was like the first episode for a while that we've seen anything happening before they arrive someplace. There was yeah. that, that little setup period. Usually it's just like, boom, running through, uh, you know, the... the the Chicago or wherever they are. <laughs> and, and again, we, when they get back to 1780, and the, and we've talked about this before, always my favorite shots in the show, where they the characters are just appreciating being back in, such, in a historical time period. And just that little moment of just like soaking it in for a second. It's kind of cool. Yeah, they were taken aback by it, weren't they? Yeah. Like uh, kind of awestruck by being there in George Washington's presence. Holy no, God. I mean, I would be in the same exact yeah. boat if I bumped into George Washington. I would No words would be able to come out of my mouth. I'm like, you're the first... Like, it just, I wouldn't even know what to say. Isn't it interesting they called him Your Excellency? No, but it's not what you think of. It's in in history books about that because he wasn't the president yet, but he was such a great man that they're like, What do we call you? Your Excellency? Yeah. Was he such a great man, or was it because he was just kind of. uh, For for the time, like what he was doing. Was it spillover, though, from uh, from England? Well, like a little monarchy type of thing. Yeah, like it it made sense for at the time. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering why, like, is it that did he relish to be called your excellency no. or was it because from Washington he was somebody that never really sought that kind of power we, that's why he, he went after one that's term that's why they liked him well that's also why he stepped aside after oh, one did term he? yeah because mm-hmm. okay. yeah. that was something like power being in that position was not something that he, he relished or he craved right got it so he was just there to drink, get the country to that point and then after his, uh, after the four years he's like you know I'm stepping aside and let other so people so he made America this. great again 
Well, I guess maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to comment. <laughs> no, okay, let's not go there. <laughs> uh, but I also like the little nugget that Lucy throws out just so we get an idea of uh, when you think about Benedict Arnold, uh, one of the things that is like his extravagance and his opulent lifestyle that they like to lead. Uh, and he $80,000 bottle of yeah, wine? he spent 1,000 pounds on a bottle of wine, which today would be like spending $80,000 on a bottle of wine. I was like, wow. oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> That's crazy. Benedict Arnold. You'd almost be happy that he went to the other side. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think of the three of us here, the one that's probably leading the most extravagant lifestyle is Chris Howard. Oh, so come Chris no. Howard, well, how much would you spend for a bottle of wine? I like a nice bottle of wine, but right now, like, I'll, you know, they've got, uh, a, I think it's called a pothcary or something like that. It's like six bucks at the store, and it's a nice bottle of wine. <laughs> but right. I like a nice bottle of wine, don't get me wrong. But I mean, I've, I've, six I've, bucks is your limit. I got no, it. no, I mean, I right. spent like up to $300 for a bottle of wine, but well, it's been a long time. Right. Yeah, I, I think my yeah. mom did that one time where we spent like over like $300, but it was like, it was like really good wine. Right. And it, I felt bad because I was just like, ah. Uh. <laughs> well, on the right occasion, yeah. I need to get a pretty darn good wine. For yeah. yeah. Bucks. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I have a terrible sweet tooth when it comes to drinks. So oh, she's you? like, I was like, oh. Do you like and, Moscato? Or, yeah, yeah, that's that's my jam. <laughs> I felt really bad. <laughs> Uh, so, of course, they meet General Washington. He puts them in a room, uh, of course, because you know, he don't know exactly why they're all of a sudden coming to Benedict Arnold's house. And then who pops in but uh, Flynn? Right now, you know, the episode is just off and running to the races. There. Flynn comes in. Guns are drawn. He says, hey, guess what? I am here to help you guys out. I need your help now, too. Uh, so all you got to do is just put the gun down and just do – just follow my lead. Yeah. And, uh, it's an why, interesting scene. Yeah. So do you, do you guys think that it was – it was good for them, not good for them, but do you think that it was, would you do, if you were in the same situation, would you do what they did, where they went along with this plan? I, I think you have to, I mean, especially, I mean, Flynn coming in, and also, I mean, he's the one that kind of first drew back the gun from being pointed, so I like, mm-hmm. if he's coming in like that, and he's willing to kind of relinquish his power in that scene, I think you'd want to at least go along at first and see what I the agree. deal is. There's yeah. got to be something real there. Yeah, no, I hear that. I think that, once again, I've got to credit the writers, because I think it was an excellent scene. How do you get these characters that have been diametrically opposed to actually align there and to make it believable mm-hmm. I thought they did it really well no I think it was yeah. great because I mean you're trying to fool George Washington it's so weird in my head <laughs> to even think about that we're like well you're lying to George Washington to make sure that you get through this <laughs> it's crazy and I love how they used uh, they were spies and there was like a whole thing about it the fact that I can't remember the name of the, the Prussian cul- spy oh uh, Austin Rowe Austin, Austin Rowe Ro, and uh, the fact the that Culper Ring yeah and the fact that they've never met face to face so you, did you guys know about that historically? I didn't or? know about that. I didn't know about Austin Rowe, but I didn't know about the Culper Ring. So. Uh, yeah. The Culper Ring is what? It was a, uh, like the, like you could think like they're the prototypes of spies. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was like Got when it. they kind of first started kind of a little bit. So now he was a Prussian spy, they said. Prussian, mm-hmm. yeah. Prussian. So at the, the uh, and George Washington knew who he was. Yes. yes. Had never well, because they've, they've conversed before. Okay. Yeah, but they've just, huh. they've, I think it was through letters only, not okay. face-to-face. Yeah, so you wouldn't yeah. know the accent. So yeah, so they'd be like, yeah, they have, you would have no idea. Right. Here's an artist's rendering of my face, just so you can look at it as you read <laughs> can you my imagine? letter. imagine? <laughs> yeah, I sent the painting, it took like a month. Uh, here you go. So you know who you're talking to. <laughs> Uh, but uh, so they are willing to go along with uh, Flynn's gambit and say, yes, we are who he says he is. And Washington says, great. You know what? I want you to go back and get Benedict Arnold. Bring him back to me. Uh, get behind enemy lines. Go to behind the redcoats. Pose as, a, as you're going to be uh, traitors to the cause. Grab him. I want him back alive so I can hang him. Wow. I mean, the funny thing is a lot of people uh, who don't know much about Washington think that, oh, he's such a great guy and everything. I was like, no, he was a ruthless leader. Was he? he, Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, the reason why he was a leader was because he he did think logically, but there are other times where I heard that I think, I mean, not I don't know much about him because I didn't do it like extensive research, but I know that he was a hothead, but he also, you know, loved people. He's very loyal. Like, there was, you know, that's the one thing I like about not to completely sway off from, like, the Hamilton musical. Everybody knows knows that he's on the $10 bill and he's done great things. He started great things, but also he was a womanizer. Is there a song that you can uh, do to do, nope, just really that. encapsulate nope, all of nope, this? Nope, nope. Look it up. <laughs> Hamilton. Uh, the Broadway, the Broadway, original Broadway cast. Look it up. Um, but like, you know, that's, I like that shows like this and musicals like that show that even though these guys did great things, they were also human. They, they were had, flawed, right? they have flaws. Yeah. Right, so womanizer. I mean, who, what leader really wasn't? Martin Luther King Jr. was, you know, they all, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's kind of standard fare uh, back then. You know, one of my uh, relatives was actually one of the first spies. Oh, really? Was, uh, Nathan Hale. Oh, awesome. Uh, oh. Uh, he, what did he say? He said, my, uh, my only regret is that I have but one life to lose for my country. Wow. Yeah. Look so at that. I think Washington sent him off to go spy. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks. 
Oh, look at that. Of course, of course I were just, na- just historical name dropping here. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> uh, so once Washington and his men leave the room, we really get into the nitty gritty here. Uh, we get Flynn and the team talking. And uh, Flynn breaking down, like, why he wants their help. This is the chance. Uh, he shows them right away. We thought, like, what about this key that he got from Bonnie and Clyde? He gives them that information, gives them the, the scroll that he got from the clock. Everything gets laid out. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. Flynn does not leave. Uh, as far as we know right now, th- puts all cards on the table. Yeah. Which was kind of cool. I mean, right. sure, yeah, and is willing to sweeten the pot, give them the keys to the mothership. If they go along with him and help him get Benedict Arnold, not uh, bring him back to Washington, but Flynn wants to interrogate him because he knows this is where the start of Rittenhouse is. Right. No, and I think that was a smart idea because it's not just like we're just going to go run and gun through this. We should find out more information besides just the letter and knowing that he was part of Rittenhouse or one of the founders of Rittenhouse. Well, isn't it weird though? Why would Benedict Arnold, who's betraying the country, be a founder of Rittenhouse? Because he was betraying the country back to in relationship to England, right? No, yeah. I th- well, I mean, history tells us that he was doing that for England, but I mean, for the show, I felt like he was just betraying them because he wanted to be part of Rittenhouse. He wanted, he wanted to be a to part change. of something different. He, yeah. wa- he, he wanted it to was change his, history in his own different and way. And he hated Washington at that point, or he felt resentful. Yes, because of the fact that Washington didn't back him up when he was supposed to be coming. So he's like... Something. Uh, actually, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, we, have a very, we have a special guest who's calling in. That Malcolm! I was to you. you couldn't see it. I was, it was over here on this section. We have Malcolm Barrett, who plays oh. Rufus, on the line. Hello, sir. Ah! <laughs> I was like, no, we lost him. <laughs> it's so good to hear your voice. <laughs> I thought you might have been calling in. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Great. Great, great. Now, uh, this is so awesome to have you on the show because I know you and Alexis have talked before, and I know your reluctance Everybody. to do the Skype interview. You really were trying to do something in studio, so I really, I think we all appreciate you taking the time. I'm totally. like, I, I'm in person. Right yes, now. I'm so happy that you're here. <laughs> 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 I'm yeah, I'm yeah I, I literally, I was just chilling, and I saw the link because I never see you. I don't know what I'm doing during the after show. Probably, you know. I'm, Super Hollywood and living a very expensive life. <laughs> uh, but usually, I finally, I finally got the link, and I was like, "I'm just gonna call and see what." I'm yeah. so glad. So cool. That is so cool. Very what, nice. What time period are you in right now? <laughs> Uh, 2016. 2016. Wow. <laughs> oh, so are oh, we? Oh, on the show. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, we're, cur- we're we're currently shooting a western. It's uh, it's Jesse Ooh. James and the true uh, life inspiration of the Lone Ranger. Oh my God! Oh, I'm losing on. my mind. Cause, awesome. Yeah, because I was see. I feel so bad. I feel like a stalker. I'm like, oh yeah, I saw your Instagram post and your Twitter post about it. Yeah, that's <laughs> <not good." laughs> I just. I just I just followed you guys just now. I, I freaking stopped you guys. I call your number, so I think oh, it, it, it makes right. it's so okay. We're even. So we hey, we got our own fans too. No. <laughs> yeah. Stop it. I'm joking. Exactly. Um, uh, so Malcolm, just to jump in uh, for you, are getting into the show. Were you a history buff at all leading into this, or is this kind of a, a ignited your passion for history? Um, a little bit of both. I mean, you know, I know some details and things like that, but, you know, I was really excited to be a part of something that was taking on history and that was showing a point of view of African-Americans that you don't usually see. And in general, I was probably a bigger fan of, of sci-fi and time travel. I, I followed everything from Quantum Leap to Back to the Future to Sliders to Doctor Who. So being a part of this was, you know, just a great opportunity. Did, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to ask, did you have any idea how meaty your role would be going into it? No. <laughs> I, I, I mean, the pilot was what it was. You know, I did a little bit of ad-libbing there. And from then on, they've mostly just sort of written for me, towards me, towards the, the cast in general. Um, you know, so it's, it's been a really great opportunity, and I've been surprised at the, the avenues in which they've been able to take my character. Yeah, because while we're, uh, all the, the whole ensemble is great, but I, would, I think I'm just surprised by the amount of growth that your character has gone through this season. How have you enjoyed Rufus's journey so far? Oh, I've loved it. You know, I have the um, the luxury is because because my character was the the one who was probably the most malleable. You know, compared to the others, I think you know they kind of have to stick to their positions, Lucy and Wyatt, because they're so uh, in conflict with with each other. The fortunate thing about Rufus is because he doesn't have a hard and clear answer, he's able to evolve and change in ways that are a little unexpected and can easily side with Lucy on a particular given day or Wyatt um, on top of the fact of just discovering who he is and, and what he is himself. You know, He probably closely represents what any of us would go through having to be in those situations. 
which is freaking out. And <laughs> yeah. I think if you look at everybody on the show, I feel like you can say Rufus is somebody that cannot have a pleasant afternoon, morning, meal, whatever. Anytime. Everything's interrupted. Everything's interrupted with Rufus. It drives me up a wall that you can't sit there and have sushi or dim sum or whatever that you're eating at that point in time and just without someone being like, I have to talk to you. I have to interrupt you. i got to stop your Prius. And I'm like, why? Just let him have an afternoon. True. Rufus never, he never gets a full, long, enjoyable day. So you can't even get a date. <laughs> he was finally having video games and pizza, the best date ever, and he written, oh, Mason. <laughs> so do we, do we, we have, have um, there's another little tidbit to carry the whole um, Star Wars, Star Trek thing. Yes. And I think I put a picture of it up, but there was actually a triple in G's room. Uh, <laughs> shut um, up, are you serious? Yeah, I yeah. need to look back at that. And there's a, yeah, there's a little part where we actually, she actually throws it at me, but they cut it out of the scene. Oh. So it was, it was really cute. Uh, oh you're warming her heart right now. Yeah. <laughs> do, do we have any idea if you guys are getting another season? Well, I don't know if you can talk uh, about that. I have that. no clue. I have no clue. We have the back half of this season, the second half of the season, which will start January 16th. Uh, set your DVRs. Um, you know, and we have the 16-episode season. So, I mean, we're number one on the night every night, so hopefully that's a little bit of incentive. That's fantastic. Uh, so we'll see. We, we're on as much cliffhanger as you guys are watching the night's episode. <laughs> now, for, for us watching, uh, we're always kind of frustrated by, like, what, what's kind of being uh, doled out in terms of information about, like, the bigger agendas, who's coming from what direction. Now, you as cast member who's kind of more of an inside, do you are you guys as frustrated as the fans are sometimes? Like, why? what's this information? Why are we doing this? What's going on? <laughs> Hell yeah. I don't know. What the hell is going on? No, that's, that's only partially true. Um Here's the thing. There's a bunch of things that, like, it's a TV show, right? It's a suspense show, so there's certain things they're going to leave you hanging on and, and wait for. And there's certain things that even I don't know. They've actually told certain secrets to certain cast members and not everybody. Oh. So there's, yeah. So it's there's very much like a show. about my character that they don't necessarily know about me. And we have some new people, too. Um, uh, Annie, I can't remember. It's like, it's very hard to pronounce. Annie Versch. But it's actually easier to pronounce. I just don't have it in front of me. Um, but she was the lady on 24. She's joining the show. And actually, I was talking to her, and she was sharing some secrets about her character. She accidentally told me. Where I was like, is that what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> Has anybody asked you to record other cast members, though? Now, I mean, Malcolm, nobody else is listening. It's just the four of us talking. So feel free if you wanted to share any of your secrets. No, no, <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that, please. <laughs> uh, so for I moment, t- what? Oh, go ahead, What's Malcolm. That? Oh, go, you, you said you were uh, going to say yeah, something. Yeah, you thought I was going to tell you. Uh, I, can, <laughs> I can tell you we're going to some interesting places. You're, you're going to dig it. We're going to keep going into American history and keep telling you some things you thought you knew. Um, and the characters are going to continue to grow in ways that you will not see coming. Uh, <laughs> that is my poor I, little heart. Yeah, and I think what we've all enjoyed while watching the show is that the, the time periods that they, the, the writers have taken you to are nice, like, uh, not well-traveled uh, time locations used in other time, time travel shows. Yeah, right? I completely agree. Yeah. yeah, we're learning along the way. Yeah. Yeah, or you and me both, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's a lot of... Anytime when I put in Google searches of something from an episode, I love how it's already there, because I'm already assuming that most people are like, oh, yeah, I didn't know that. I'm going to just look that up real quick, and it's just really nice. Um, a lot of the fans, actually, Malcolm wanted to know, since I don't want to jump too far into the episode since we haven't sure. gotten to it yet, but I, wa- I don't want oh, okay. to forget this now, because I will forget it. Uh, Ivan Soto in the chat asked, um, can you ask Malcolm if he would have killed Rittenhouse's son like Flint? Flynn was trying to do. Okay, so I'm going to tell you guys a personal story of that night. Okay. So that it scene, where, that scene where we say um, "I vote yes," mm-hmm. yeah, um, was the night of election night, oh. and right before no. I give that monologue, I I literally we found out that Trump had won, oh, and wow. so I didn't handle it the best. Huh. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so you can see some of that frustration in the scene. So. I tell you this, I don't know that I would have killed Rittenhouse's son, but I feel pretty strongly that I might have killed Rittenhouse. No. So that was method acting, and you were using your experience with Trump to say, yes, you'd kill him? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, not to sound like a douche, like a radio douche novel, like, but, you know, sure. 
So, Malcolm, for this episode, being the winner finale, they start uh, showing some of their cards. When you're getting this script, uh, how were you, like, in terms of, like, just the amount of revelations that were happening? Were you kind of blown away, like, wow, they're revealing all this already? Yeah, you know, I was actually happy about this episode uh, (coughs) because we, excuse me, guys, I got a little bit of a cold. Um, I was happy about this episode because, you know, we directly... Um, solve the whole letter thing. I know a bunch of people were like, well, what are we going to do? Like, oh, I bet they leave this letter thing dragging out forever. And um, no, we come immediately there and you realize, you know, Benedict Arnold is a part of the founding members of Britain House. And, and so I was actually excited to see that. You know, and there's certain things because I know the plan of the show, I'm a little less surprised at. But it was actually in the very first episode, actually the first two episodes of the second half of the season, I was completely shocked, and we get into territory that the writers haven't even um, hinted at before. Hmm. So it's going to be very surprising. Oh, my God. Because when it comes to time travel shows, more often than not, it feels like they'll always kind of do the writing of the story to get back to our history. It always kind of stays the same as we know it. What I liked about Timeless, especially from the pilot episode, is that, no, the writers are willing to make changes. They were like, no, we're going to completely change it. (laughs) Yeah, which I I love that. Were you guys as a cast member excited that they were willing to kind of rewrite history along the way? Yeah, I, I love that they're willing to do that. Um, it's interesting. We always go a little bit back and forth. I was talking to somebody on Twitter about CTC, the closed timeline principle, mm-hmm. principles, and, and Novikov and things like that, because, you know, in, in the actual theoretical thinking of it, um, there's the grandfather paradox, which makes it impossible to time travel into the past, but then Novikov had this idea that when you do travel to the past, it's possible because the universe always tries to correct itself. Mm-hmm. So you can't really change anything. We kind of buy into both sides of it. We kind of buy into, there's a belief that, yes, there um, things are inevitable, and then there's this other side of it where we're going, no, we're going to completely make things completely different. So, you know, so like, when you when you see Bonnie and Clyde, yep, they end up dying together no matter what. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so that was kind of unavoidable, and that kind of feeds into this sort of endless love uh, sort of undertone that is uh, underneath the show. I'm I'm just curious where where does this where does Timeless fall on your career path? Was this uh, have you had some who, big who things? Is this talking? Who is this, this, is, this is Chris. Chris Howard. Sorry, this is oh, Chris. You guys stop busting Chris's balls so much. You guys are always <laughs> beating them up. There's like 17 <laughs> laws during the show. You guys are so harsh to Chris. Thank <laughs> you, brother. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I wish Carrie Lane was here. Right <laughs> yes, yeah, I just need somebody to stand up for me. Thank you. I just, yeah, I just, I had to. Well, you know, Ruth is always looking out for the underdog. Thank you, brother. So um, I'm part of the team. I'm yeah, part of team timeless here. You can say what you want. Yeah, no, this is uh, this is a really good thing for my career, man. It's it's everything I ever wanted to be. I get to play a smart, black, sensitive black uh, man and uh, and a genius, and, and and so and on the world's big stage here and heavy promoted, you know. I'm on the front of the bus. We used to be on the back of the bus. Now we're on the front of the bus. That's yes. It's because you stood up, brother. <laughs> yeah. Move out the way. Rufus is here. <laughs> Would you see this as being the biggest step so far in your career path? Oh, yeah, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, brother. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Oh, my word. <laughs> They're giving me grief over here, if well, only you no, could see. I was just, I'm just enjoying every minute of this. It's just so good. <laughs> like, I can't. No, we're excited. We're excited you called in. Oh, my this God. Awesome. Wait, no. Did you guys finish talking about the episode? I don't no. Want to oh, no, 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 no. Uh, oh, we're just getting on the more. part where, uh, where you guys just, uh, we, we find out that you guys are going to agree with Flint on his plan. Uh, shooting those scenes where you get the four of you guys together all in a room. We get Flint, well... To backtrack with the last episode, I do like how you get separated uh, when everybody... Every time! Yes, but that just Flynn, the way he just... You and Flynn have that reaction when you see each other as you're being interrogated by the police. And Flynn's like, hey, yep, yep, just that, leave him to me. Just that moment where you just realize, like, oh, man, I got Flynn on my back again. <laughs> just those nice moments. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but when you get the four of you guys in a room, I gotta imagine that's gotta be the most... Are those the most fun scenes to film? Well, you know, that's the first time we've ever all four been in a room together. You know, we've only been, you know, she secretly talked to him. I spy him when I'm in the police station and, you know, Wyatt has had some confrontations with him. So, you know, and and me and Gorin are buddies. You know, this was the first time all four of us actually were in the room is is during that George Washington scene. Um, So it was really interesting because for the most part, we're kind of separated from Flynn throughout most of the um, season. 
So to actually have all four of us in a room together was, was really sort of electric and interesting. And, and um, on the same note, while we're revealing all these things about Rittenhouse, and also you're kind of seeing the journal come true. You know, you're actually seeing, you know, Flynn said at some point we'll be working together, and on this fall finale we actually do. And we talked about that, too. At one point we were predicting, like, they have to work together at one point. Like, it's going to happen. And yeah. I'm glad that we got it in the mid-season finale, not the finale. And what I like... Yeah, no... Yeah, it just it just made more sense because I, yeah. I don't think I could have waited like double <laughs> double number. Like, She's very impatient. Episodes. though. I am. I'm extremely impatient. I'm like I need my stuff now. Uh, but but no, it was really it, it was it was bittersweet for me because I was like I still don't trust you completely, Flynn. But I understand that you have there's good, something there. But- good intentions, kind of adjacent uh, to the cause. So. Like, I don't know. But that's how the characters are feeling, too, yeah? Yeah, no, yeah. And that's why I liked that Rufus was the one that actually said it first of just, like, if we, you know, if we can get the chance to, to get, you know, me out of it, to get you out of it, like, it, why not take this chance? We might not get this chance again. Like, it made sense. Very so, true. Yeah. Uh, and also what I like is what the writers choose to show us and what they don't, and they just assume that we'll know it. Like, uh, Rufus telling the team that he talked to Agent Christopher and filled her in on everything about yep, what they knew about Yep, we didn't need that filmed. No, or just like the, the the team coming up with the way that they're going to handle the recordings. But they already have their kind of plan when we first see him in the in the lifeboat. I was panicking that because Rufus uh, Mason was like, "You cannot, you can't mess with this recording." And then yes. all of a sudden, like, "Let's, you know, betray Rittenhouse." I was like, Ooh, like, like my entire being just like it was just cringing the entire time. It was Malcolm, just, it was so, so you're in you're in Canada filming. Are you f- uh, from that area? Or are you from uh, California? No, man, I'm from Brooklyn. I'm from Bedside, oh. Brooklyn. I'm from. All the places white people used to drive through and now they own. <laughs> yep. uh, it's uh, it's lovely neighborhoods. It's great. Bed Stuy is a great place. I mean, that's where me, my mom, and my whole family's from, and that community is built up on itself and with other folks. And it's great. Yeah, I'm a Brooklyn boy, born and raised. Right on. So they were doing uh, nationwide casting for this when it started, or was it? Or did you go in? Specific- uh, no. Well, that's where I was born and raised. But my career's come much farther since then, Chris. Uh, I've, <laughs> I've been in L.A. and they, they cast it out of L.A. I met uh, Eric and Sean via auditioning for this. I don't think they knew about me. You know, I've been working in L.A. for, for years doing random TV. A lot of folks know me from Better Off Ted and some Key and Peele stuff. Yeah. Uh, or one sketch, not like a whole freaking syllabus. Try not to curse. It's the internet. You guys are not censored. You that. can say whatever you want. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, do whatever you want. Do whatever you want, buddy. It's Fuck fine. it. <laughs> yeah. Not you. Yeah. Oh, no. so they, I, not I literally you. auditioned for them, screen tested. They they dug it. Um, and and so I, I, got, I got the part. I've been a huge fan of theirs because... You know, I'd binge watch Supernatural at my friend's place who's a huge nerd. I'd uh, always been watching uh, The Shield, the the entire series. So, you know, to be in a room with like two, you know, icons of, of television writing um, was was a big moment for me. And and to have us all collaborate, I think, made for a very interesting product. Your writers seem really, really strong. Yeah, they're really good, dude. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, we were just talking tonight about the the writing throughout the episode, and it seems really, really strong. Now, as somebody that uh, is a big fan, of course, you, you watch The Shield, you watched uh, 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 Supernatural, uh, mythology heavy shows. So, uh, being a fan of those types of storytelling, and now being in something like that, has it given you a better appreciation for the way that writers and producers would kind of pace out how they reveal certain pieces of information to the audience? No. Uh, <laughs> nope. I still I want to know everything, and I want to know it now. <laughs> yeah, I want to know all of this stuff immediately. Um, Thank you. I, 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 as an actor and a writer, I completely know why they do it, you know, but I do the same thing that everybody else does, where I'm like, please tell me all the information now. Tell me it now. <laughs> and, you know, it's very interesting to be on the inside of it because it's like, you know, I'm like, I'm probably five episodes ahead of you guys. Oh, so, like, there's revelations that you guys are going through. And I'm like, what do you think? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, whatever. You know? still- <laughs> I don't want to brag, but I'm five uh, episodes ahead. <laughs> it hurts my soul. It hurts my soul. Well, you know what's the weirdest part? The weirdest part of being a nerd, a fanboy, because, you know, we went to Comic-Con this year, yeah, the did. New York and the San Diego one, um, where I met Alexis, um, who have a huge... This is awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, what should we call it? I was in. I was in uh, two years ago. I went to Comic Con for the very first time, and actually being here is uh, 
really awesome. And, uh, you know, I, I was very surprised. Like, to be a part of a couple that's being shipped is, like, really cute to me. Oh, yeah. It makes me so happy because you are you're amazing. You're talented. You're just a fantastic dude. And I just want nothing but the best for you. And this show is just awesome. Yeah, because I was I was I was dressed as Harley Quinn when we, <laughs> when we did the interview. I was like, oh, yeah, I probably should have been more professional. But ah, it's Comic-Con. Who cares? Now, we, heard at Com- <laughs> we heard at Comic-Con they had that machine that spins around and replicates what it must feel like for time travel. Did you do that? I did that. Can I tell you? I did the the little voice thing and like a video mm-hmm. thing. And I think actually Patterson, um, who's amazing as Connor Mason, he did one of these things um, too for the space race where you got to if you had the sort of Sony VR stuff, you got to go through all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but I I actually because I'm a fanboy, I came to Comic Con like a day early. I was just like going on stuff and like. I had a backpack with a speaker in it that I played my own music on. Like, not my own, like, my recordings, but, like, just music in general. And I, I was, like, walking by uh, the uh, the Timeless Gravitron, and somebody, some PR person, she was like, are you, are you Malcolm? I was like, yeah. That's not. They were like, do you, do, do you want to get on the ride or something? I was like, I was like, yeah, sure, why not, man, let's do it. Uh, and so I think I rode that ride, like, three or four times. Like, wow. Wow. Two, two because they made me for press, and two because I was around. Did it, I mean, did you get sick? Is it one of the? Because I heard it was like one of those things that spins yeah, around and makes that. your stomach stomach turn. I mean, if you if you if you do get your stomach, I I don't know. I didn't get sick. I can only tell you that you know I have uh, the constitution of a superhero, <laughs> nice. and so that's uh, true. I, no, that's I, true. I was, look, Abby was on it. I had some buddies of mine. My boy Arjun Gupta from uh, the Magicians. He was there. He was on it. My boy Ari. Um, a bunch of us were all on there and uh, just had a great time. That's awesome. Now, as somebody uh, who's got a deep, a deep love for science fiction, all that stuff, you get a chance to meet Rittenhouse this episode, and it's Armin Shimmerman from DS9. I know. Holy what? crap. I know. Holy like, crap. Yes. What's it like to do a scene with him? Like, holy cow, I've got Quark right here with me. Because I didn't see anybody else freaking out, so I was like, I'm just going to keep my excitement <laughs> on the inside this time. <laughs> yeah, I, I was totally freaking out. I mean, I and. You never want to say that because I met him and we were talking about theater because he's a theater guy. I have a theater company, uh, AmmunitionTheater.com. Dropping that in there. What is it? Um, go, look at it go look at it. Ammunition um, but, Theater? Yeah, look it up. Okay. Um, but um, but he, <laughs> I didn't want to bring it up, so I'm having like all this elevated conversation about like the state of theater and who we are and what it takes to make a company. But in my head, I was like, you're the dude from the stuff, man. You're the dude from the Star Trek stuff. And, uh, you're the weird wizard. Were you a hobbit or a... Thing from a rings movie or something? You're the guy. You're a potter. You're the guy. <laughs> oh, is he from Harry Potter? Was he one of those little? Uh, was he? He wasn't from Harry Potter. No, he wasn't. Um, I don't know. I feel like he played a wizard in Harry. Like a. He looks like he could have been. Potter, but I could be completely wrong. You know, I'm, those, not, those, I'm not. I'm not that level. You know of, the bankers. Uh, the know bankers that. that have My the, the guys that work at Gringotts. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I have no idea. No, he was the principal on Buffy. Yep, that's yes. that's that was okay. yeah, I yeah. know him. So I was like, <laughs> also little 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 uh, inside trivia. You know, some some my I I don't really write ad libs, but a lot of times they let us talk about the scenes and give notes and and things like that. So you know, the scene where I'm actually watching the slaves before I come into that scene with him was a scene we had uh, talked about with the writers and director because it was actually a line where I said where I see the slaves and I look at them and I go I'm sick of waiting outside and I take my jacket off and I go towards them yeah. and blah, blah, blah. sort of a callback to how I'm always have to kind of be outside there mm-hmm. but I actually thought they made a better choice which was that you just saw it in my eyes and you saw it and watching the things of the frustration of having to see this for the first time and what is he going to do about it and and how he's affected by that. So I thought it was a cool moment. We, we you know, we thought that you handled uh, the whole show is handled very well. The whole black going back and those, the times where you thought it was the, like as a black man it would be hard to fit in. We thought, boy, that could that could be overdone in terms of how how often it was approached and stuff. But it it seems to have handled it seamlessly uh, with the writing and stuff. It's not overdone, but it's approached in a in a, a good classy way. Yeah, I, I like to think so. You know, it's it's a constant. You know, we're we're in uncharted territory, so you know it's hard to be perfect, right? Right. Um, if if you don't have a sort of prototype for for this sort of 
um, way of handling this, this world. Um, and so there's always a balance. I always still listen to, do you know what I mean? We always try things and not every idea, you know, makes it to the final cut, but a lot of my ideas do, you know, I think, uh, your co-star who isn't on there now or co-host, she mentioned something about that, about how, you know, the very first episode we come at you and let you know, boom, we're going to be talking about the, the elephant in the room, the thing that's obvious to most minorities and, and not as obvious to a lot of people who aren't of color. Um, which is that it's hard to be a person of color and travel through time. Um, right. So, you know, we hit you in the face with it in the pilot, and then we kind of let it play how it plays throughout, you know, the season and the episodes. Even in the episode with Bonnie and Clyde, you see me helping out a little girl at uh, a colored that water. That was such a nice touch. Now, we, didn't, we, we didn't announce it, but if you're watching the picture, and so not everybody saw that, that that's what it was, but, you know, a lot of people did. And I, I thought that is... That is a beautiful example of how we sometimes subtly handle right. um, the sort of racist history of America. Yeah, yeah, and I love that uh, the fact that it's even though yes, it was a smack in the face in the pilot, but as as the episodes went on, it was kind of lighter and lighter to the point we didn't have to sit there and be like, "Look at it." It was just kind of like, "This is yeah, happening. yeah, we can move on from." Yeah, now. that's the good thing. That's the good thing about America. You get used to the racism. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't want to talk about it, but yes, but I like the fact that it's you know I don't have to hear people complain about the fact that that's like the one thing, and also that it's not just for you. The fact that uh, Lucy gets to go through it too as a woman because right. history for women is also exactly. terrible. Exactly. So like it, everybody exactly. has you know their their issues that they had to deal with in the past. Well, tonight was the perfect example, though, when, uh, what's his name from Rittenhouse grabs yeah, her face and says, you're going to it. my bed chamber. No, but that was, I oh, mean, God. it's reality, no, no, no. you know, so that's what's kind of... Wasn't that terrible? Oh, yeah, it was But, but it was terrible. perfect, because it's in your face. But you I also know? like that they didn't have Rittenhouse to be, like, this this charm boat of a guy. Like, he's, right. he's a sick, twisted person. Like, I like that we kept that, you yeah. know what I mean? It wasn't just like, oh, yeah, he seems yeah. like he's normal. No, he's clearly... <coughs> he's well, a scumbag, right? Record, yeah. the, real, the real Rittenhouse was a great guy. What you saw some guess, uh, fans guess the connection to the original Rittenhouse, who I think was part of the Mint and an actual clockmaker of some mm-hmm. kind. Um, before the record, the actual Rittenhouse, as far as we know, was a great guy. Yeah. <laughs> so just for the sake of so we're not slandering him and yeah, no. For the sake of for the sake of the show, I like that they did that because I don't yeah. really I don't know if there's at, like I don't know any personal records of Rittenhouse, so I like that we got to kind of mess. With we, that. Yeah, because we, we were looking him up on Wikipedia and Mason. The name Mason was right around the same time of Rittenhouse. Did you? You guys must know that. I do because I listen to these shows. Clearly, <laughs> not because I did any like personal research. Because I like you listen to all of these shows, right? And so yeah, I did. I didn't know that. So we end the episode. Finally, we we get face to face with Rittenhouse, uh, and after a little struggle, that Rufus comes in and saves the day for for Wyatt and Flynn. Uh, it comes to the moment, and Flynn does kill Rittenhouse. Uh, he doesn't get his son though. His son does escape. So Flynn takes Lucy away into the uh, mothership, and they disappear, leaving Wyatt and Rufus back in 1780, figuring out what's their next move. Nice cliffhanger. No, it was really good. I was not expecting that, because we were trying to think of, like, oh, what do we do now, now that Rittenhouse is dead? And and I didn't know where we were. I thought we were just going to go back, and then they were just going to tell him Rittenhouse is dead, and then just go fade to black, or go to black. But instead, now we have a completely different twist of Lucy going, and now we have no idea where they're going. Yeah, you guys seem like it could go anywhere with the show at this point. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, that's that's what I uh, like too. I I honestly, when I read that, I was surprised too. I did not see that coming at all. Uh, so I was like, really, just like, oh crap. Um, so ex- exactly like that. I was like, I was like, is she okay? Um, so, so yeah, I I you know I can't tell you what happens uh, afterwards, but I can tell you I was excited because I felt like the same thing. I felt like, oh wow, there's no telling where we're going and it's a game changer and you know I, I get annoyed at myself because every time I promote a new episode I'm always like this one's a game changer um, <laughs> no this one's a game changer <laughs> they are uh, the one thing you know in some way in, you know in some way they always you, you always end up going oh crap I didn't know that or oh you know uh, the other little moment I like too is that we get a little bit we've learned bits and pieces about Flynn as well but to hear this episode that even if he does fix time and bring back his wife and child he still wants to leave them because he realizes just the experience of getting them back has made him such a terrible person he thinks he can't be a family man anymore. Yeah. I thought that was a nice little moment to add to his character. Yeah. yeah. You're humanizing him a bit. I mean, but again, it makes sense. It was. Sense, you know? I was- 
No, go ahead, Alexis. Oh, thanks. Uh, but no, but it, again, I like that we do that because the fact that all these people that are in this entire show and everything, because I know we don't have a lot of time, so I want to get through this as much as I can, but like, I love that the show takes these people who do terrible things because of the motive that they have. It's not the fact that they're, well, maybe maybe for some people, that they're psychopaths or anything. It's just because something traumatic happened to them and they don't know how to deal with it, but now they're given this tool and they kind of just go. Like, there's no yes. thinking behind it to a point, but like... I love that it's not just like, oh, he's a serial killer. He's just going to go and start killing people and changing time. No, he clearly has the fact that when he was just feeding, the, like when he was giving the water to the horses, like that mm-hmm. was very uh, human of him to do that, even though we've seen him do terrible things throughout the entire show. Like, I like that we get little Easter eggs of that as well, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I do, too. I feel like, you know, in, in, in a lot of ways, everyone's an antihero. You know what I mean? Because we're all keeping secrets for what we think are the best of reasons. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, that, and that's who we are as people, you know? And, and I, I think that's how these guys build characters. They build people who, no matter what is going on, there's a reason that, that makes sense to them, and so for some reason it makes you care. You know what I mean? Same way, you know, Sean Ryan did it when he did The Shield. You know what I mean? The mm-hmm. lead character is essentially a racist and, and a murderer and all of this, and yet you watch him season after season. You know, he's not a guy I would like to be in a room with, you know. Same with Flynn. Like, he's killed a lot of people, you know. But you get the idea, you're able to watch him because you realize how human he is. And by his means, he thinks he's doing the right thing. You know, but I wasn't knowing. I'm like, if you're going to do all this, man, stay with your family. Don't worry. <laughs> <I know. laughs> so stay there. Oh, let me ask one more question. Does Abigail talk about me a lot? Oh, Lord. Oh, boy. Uh, she, she literally... Chris has, yeah. has mentioned you zero times. Okay. And that's, and that's only yes, I just need to know. Because All right. Uh, I'm sorry, Malcolm. Malcolm. Yes. We have to wrap up. Malcolm, thank you so much for calling in tonight. It was so awesome to talk to you. And I hope when this series, the finale airs and you're back in L.A., you'd come in and sit, with, sit down and talk with us. We'd love to see you in person. Well, thank you. You guys are awesome. And, you know, feel free, just because I called, feel free to still crap on the parts you hate. It's not that big a deal. You guys <laughs> <laughs> no! All right, uh, Malcolm, Thanks, real quick, before you leave there, where can they follow you on social media? Uh, I am at Malcolm Barrett, and Verb will be rapping on Instagram. And I got a theater company called Ammunition Theater, uh, and we're at ammotheater.com. We got a new show coming out uh, called How to Raise a Freeman, um, and that's going to be coming out pretty soon. I don't know. When is it? Uh, oh, last week of February and March. You should come back and we can promote Alexander, it. Who also writes for 24. That's the end of my plug Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Malcolm. And, and, the show, and the show's back January 16th. Love it. January 16th. That's right. Have a great holiday, Rufus. We'll see you back on time. It's January 16th on NBC, Monday nights, 10 o'clock. All right, everybody. <laughs> Uh, Yes, folks, uh, we're going to be wrapping it up right now. Folks, you can follow us on Facebook. uh, Give us those five stars on iTunes. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thanks, everybody, hopping in the chat. What a great uh, opportunity. Thanks, Alexis, for setting us up here with Malcolm, getting us a chance to talk in tonight. And, Chris, if they want to talk to you even after the show's over, where can they find you? At Chris Howard Live on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can follow me all over social media. And again, we're all shenanigans. We'll see you at ATORS890. That's A-T-O-R-E-S 890. And you can follow me on Twitter at Happy Go Jackie. Folks, have a great holiday. We'll be back here January 16th recapping the uh, winter premiere or the spring premiere of Timeless. See Bye, you guys. From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, Buzz you later. later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. <laughs> 